You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio. You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Night gathers, and now my watch begins. Welcome to the Throne Room, the unofficial Game of Thrones podcast, a poppychularadio.com and iTunes exclusive. Poppychula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, August 16th, 2017, and I am your host, Brittany Garcia, Lord Commander of this particular Night's Watch. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the hit HBO series Game of Thrones. Please welcome my lovely co-host Aura Careño. Good evening. And it's just the two of us so you guys are going to enjoy some great bickering because we all know Aura loves Arya and I love Sansa and I feel like we're in for some good debates here. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe not though. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you'll surprise me. Maybe I'll surprise you. Who knows. Well, Without further ado, let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 5, titled East Watch, and aired August 13th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. The aftermath of the loot train attack leaves the remaining Lannister army at Danny's mercy. She offers them a choice whether to join her or die. Meanwhile, Bronn and Jaime are able to escape and return to King's Landing. A letter from Winterfell forces Jon to travel beyond the Wall and capture a white in order to convince Cersei for a temporary alliance. Davos smuggles Tyrion inside King's Landing where he secretly meets with Jaime to inform him of the plan to capture a white. With the maesters ignoring the warnings of the White Walkers, Samuel steals several books and scrolls and leaves the Citadel with Gilly and Little Sam. At Winterfell, Littlefinger notices Arya spying on him and leads her to a letter written by Sansa from his room. Lastly, Jon, Jorah, and Gendry head to Eastwatch, where they are joined by the Hound, the Brotherhood, and a group of free folk led by Tormund, intending to capture a White Walker as evidence for Cersei that the army of the dead is real. Okay, that has got to be the longest synopsis that I've ever had to write because what a crazy episode. And I don't mean crazy in an entirely good way. I mean in a crazy, fast-paced, kind of messy way, but I think it was necessary. I usually like to talk about these episodes and call them filler, but this wasn't filler. This was just all 
fast-paced setup episode. Oh, yeah. yeah, right? I mean, like, a lot of important things happened, but more so to move the story in probably the fastest way ever. Like, I'm going to keep saying fast because if you saw this episode twice, you were kind of like, okay, this is really fast, we're getting going. And a lot of fans have also been saying things like, well... The, the season's moving too fast. We don't get to see, like, the travel sequences. If this is season one, um, what happened in episode three would have happened, like, in this episode. Like, it's just... I don't know how to feel about this episode, but I was still left in excitement. So, Aura, are you with me on this? Did you feel like it was messy also? Or did you like the episode? Or what's going on? Um... I didn't hate it, but I did think it was funny the way they were just like, you know, like just teleporting characters all over the place. Um, I feel like the writers and I like I've been thinking this for a while now this season. The writers do not care about like they're not willing to lose time with, you know, traveling anymore. Like it's just not a priority for them. They just want to move forward with the story. And I think. I'm okay with that. I don't know. I'm trying to decide on it too, but um, because really, I, I personally don't feel like I need the travel sequences. Like, I don't know. They're kind of like filler to me. So, I think I'm embracing it. To be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm one of those people that I don't care about the teleportation, uh, writing because. We kind of need to get the ball rolling, and especially knowing that we only, including the season, only had 13 episodes left. Like, we got to get to places, but we also need to show the audience why they're doing what they're doing and why they're going where they're going. So we were getting a lot of the little pieces of the plan for Cersei, the um, how Tyrion had to go there, and John. You know, having to decide to go on himself, get the all-star team. Like, it was just a lot. But I guess for me, because when we do these podcasts and I'm able to break it down, I get to do it in sections where, okay, we spent 10 minutes here. And then we went over here for 10 more minutes. And then just like that. But here it was, we were with Daenerys. Then we were in King's Landing. Then we were back with Daenerys. Then we were in King's Landing again. Like, it was just so back and forth. Um... But it was still easy to follow. With be- that being said, I think it was easily yeah. uh, we were able to follow along. We were on the ride. It was just really fast, and I think it was the fastest episode we've had this season. But I'm totally okay with it. I think we needed to to take a breather, come up with more plans, and uh, and then we have the last two episodes. So I'm I'm okay with this. I'm glad they took time for the fifth episode. Uh, to do this and it's not like the other seasons have ever done this I'm pretty sure like episodes uh, 6 and 7 of seasons of the previous seasons have been a lot of setup maybe mini filler Um, so I'm okay with this and I'm glad that the last two episodes are probably going to be action packed and going to have a lot of information and it's not like in this episode we didn't get like probably one of the biggest reveals like ever you know yes since Just last season's finale. Yes. Yes. So we're going to get into that because we could just keep talking right now. But um, I think you and I have pretty much the same sentiment that I didn't hate the episode either. It was just kind of like a refreshing, fast-paced uh, episode. 
but not in the way that we we missed out or I wanted more. It was just we did what we had to do, and I'm pumped up for the next two episodes. So that's yeah. I'm cool with that. All Me right too. then. Good. See, there's not gonna be any arguments, and uh, this is why uh, we're gonna miss Clay and Priscilla because maybe they would fight me on this, or mo- most likely Priscilla, uh, <laughs> our Mad Queen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna call her our Mad Queen. Uh, she hates Cersei so much. So, all right then. Before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Game of Thrones, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to iTunes or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. All right. I did my best here, Aura, and since it's only you, I feel like it's okay that you can judge me a little bit. I won't fight you on it. But if we had Clay and Priscilla here, I would probably be under a little bit more pressure, but I think I did a good job. So we'll see. And you can tell me at the end that I did a good job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's no other option. Exactly. So, um, and since I'm the Lord Commander, you know, you gotta listen to me. So, I'm okay with that. I want to start off basically with the beginning of the episode. I think uh, that was the most exciting um, thing we wanted to see after last week's episode with that cliffhanger. Everybody was up in the air. Like, did Jamie die? We had a whole like maybe 10 minute discussion of you know was Jamie gonna die could he die is this where his story ends or does it end with Cersei um or does Cersei die and then he has another kind of story like we had a lot of um predictions and theories going around but as it turns out no Jamie is not dead and neither is Bronn and neither of them either are um 
are injured or anything, they're able, I guess, you know, plot armor uh, to swim yeah. away. Or that Braun is able to get Jamie and swim away with him. And they're alive. And how did you feel about that, Aura? Were you okay with the way they did that and then their little conversation? Or were you expecting more? Did you want something more? Um, or were you just like, okay, I guess? Um, honestly, I was a little disappointed that they weren't captured by Danny because I don't know if you remember, but that was my prediction last week. Me too. Um, Same here. Because I, it really doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't be captured because she's right there. They were like, what, like maybe two meters, but like in front of Danny and it just, it just didn't make much sense, but like. I'm not that bothered by it. I just wish we could have seen what that would have been like. Yeah, I agree. And I and I feel like to that point, though, I was disappointed that they didn't capture Bron and Jamie because I wanted, like, a Tyrion reunion and I wanted to see what Danny's going to do with having the person that kills her father in front of her. Like, it's just good stuff that we could have gotten. But because um, we didn't and then Bron and Jamie escaped, we still get some kind of reunion with Tyrion anyway so this kind of helps me uh hope a little bit more in that maybe we will get that Danny and Jamie scene but that's only if um if my prediction comes true that Jamie kills Cersei or that you know she dies and he lives that he's gonna maybe join Daenerys aside like as an anti-hero or like some kind of ranger you know where he's not with her but he's you know, against the army of the dead and he's going to help him out and, you know, be with Tyrion. So I feel like we still might get that scene. I guess we just weren't meant to have it right now. But it feels a little, we feel a little bit robbed because we were so close, I think. Um, and having that. Um, yeah. And I, like you said, it was right there in the water. I was like, I didn't even know that it was a river. I thought it was just like a really big puddle or a mini <laughs> river, but apparently it went all the way to the forest and, um, I was kind of, I was just like, okay, I guess, I guess. and that armor, too, is really heavy, and I was yeah. like, how did they do that? Is Braun like, really I that guess, strong? Like, I guess Braun could help, but, like, it seemed like they were swimming for quite a long time, so, mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I'm Maybe just... that's why his name is Braun, you know, like, Brawny, like the... Isn't it the paper towels? I don't know what that guy is really muscular. So maybe that's why they call him. I don't know. I'm coming up with my own theory. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, um, I'm not from the U.S. So maybe that's why I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I just meant that the word brawn, you know, B-R-A-W-N means like you're kind oh. of like really uh, buff and you're strong. Uh, yeah. And they have that here, like, brawny um, type of paper towels because it can pick up a lot of stuff. So that's why I'm like, maybe that's why they call brawn brawn because... Uh, He's really oh, strong. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I, I, I love that I had to explain this entire joke. Because maybe, you know what? Maybe some of the listeners didn't get it either. So there you go. Um, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, so it was just so close. But I also think uh, I really like that scene where Tyrion is is walking around the field of battle. And he's just, is he, you know what he's doing. It's not so much that he's sad at what he's looking at. Because it's, it's a little bit of that too. But he's actually looking for Jamie, I think. Uh, some yeah. people were pointing that out, that he was looking for Jamie And probably Bronn too, to see if he's among the dead. And it's kind of sad because you can't really tell if he's there. Because of everything is just ashes. Everything's gray and smoke. 
and I don't even think he would have been able to uh, to find him if he had died. So um, well, it was like, a lot of sad. It was really sad. I think. Yeah, it was. It was really sad to see you know Tyrion conflicted um, like this. It was kind of very hard to watch, to be honest, because you know he he doesn't think this is the right way of doing things, if you know what I mean, just burning people. But um, I have my own thoughts about that, but I guess we'll get into that when uh, we talk about Daenerys. And uh, I just I just thought it was sad, but I don't think, you know what, now that you mention it, I, did, I hadn't thought of it before that he was looking for Jamie. but wasn't he looking at everything that was going on when, like, Jamie was charging at Danny? Yeah, so they fe- he fell in the yeah he should have been able to see uh to see that so yeah maybe he wasn't looking for Jamie but maybe not so much among the dead but just looking to see if uh they would have gotten out the gotten out of the water like around that area but yeah. it turns out that they went I don't know that's what some people were saying I thought it was around the same thing but I also had the sentiment of him looking like at the at this. At, like, this is war. Like, this is just, like, a whole nother level. Because he's been in a couple of battles. You know, Tyrion's had his fair share. He's seen what a battlefield looks like. But I think here, it's, like, on a, on a whole new level that kind of scares him. And I yeah. think it was for us, too, to kind of look at it. Like, yes, like, all oh, the dragons there. And, oh, and it looks so cool. But then we're, like, this is really destructive. It's just, it's crazy. One minute they're there, and then in a second they're gone. Um <laughs> literally yeah and it was just uh, i don't know it was just a really sombering like opening where it's just smoke everywhere and just a bunch of dead bodies so or not dead bodies there was just ashes yeah um, and like bodies covered in ashes too it was pretty it, it's it's heavy yes it and is Tyrion has seen what fires what fire does too like mm-hmm. before in the battle of blackwater so, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, well, we have, I think we'll talk about, yeah, I totally get where you're getting at because we, we got some stuff to talk about between him and Varys when they have that conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll get into that. But before we get to back to Dragonstone, um, after we find out Bronn and Jamie are okay, you know, Danny is there with her dragon on a hill and she's talking to the, remain, the remaining Lannister forces, which isn't a lot of people because she did end up, you know... Fl- burning some of the um some of the army which by the way it, it is both Lannister and Tarly men that were there uh so I don't know it was a mixture of both but more Lannister men and she gives them the choice you know join me or die and there's a lot of fandom you know conversation about this and they there's a lot of people that strongly believe that Danny is already showing hints of a, of the Mad Queen in her and mm-hmm. that eventually she'll become the Mad Queen herself because of the way she's using her dragons. Um, especially with what happened with Randall and Dickon, where Randall refuses to, to bend the knee, so she sends him to die, and then Dickon follows. And Tyrion pleads with her not to do it, to, you know, let them take the black, or, you know, just don't do this. And she puts her foot down, she says, they, I gave them a choice, they made it, so I kill them. And... I am a Danny fan. I love her. I can criticize her too. I'm not one of those blind fans. I will criticize my beloved characters when they do stuff wrong or their logic is flawed, something. But here I was totally with Danny. Uh, I 
she gave him a choice, something that I feel like Cersei probably wouldn't have. I mean, uh, Cersei, I, I, I'm, I'm, the, the one thing that comes to me is when uh, they have Joffrey's wedding and Joffrey with Marjorie, and Marjorie announces that they're going to give food to the remaining, or the remaining, the leftovers, to the poor. So what does Cersei do to undermine her? She goes and she says, you're going to give the leftovers to the dogs, you know, instead of giving it to the poor. You know, so... I think Danny is a lot more merciful than Cersei, and Randall was just a dig, and he was dumb. Uh, so was <laughs> Dickon. I think Dickon was just, you I know, think, Tyrion I made a point. You yeah. know, like don't don't kill yourself. You know, you're the remainder. Well, he wasn't the remaining because we have Sam, but uh, he shouldn't have stood with his father. I think. I think he should have lived. So um, rest yeah. in peace, Dickon. I had some hopes for you, but you dumb. Sorry, baby. You dumb. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you, do you agree with my sentiment, or do you feel indifferent about it? Like, what's going on? Um, I actually do agree with you. Um, I feel like, you know, and she sets her points, too. She's like, if I start giving men the choice of prison, like, many of them are going to choose that. And then I'm going to, you know, just end up with a full prison instead of a big army. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it makes a lot of sense. That, and she gave them a, a choice. Um, I get why um, Randall would make the choice to not bend knee. Because mm-hmm. he, he is the, you know, the head of the house and, like, very stubborn. And he, you know, he's kind of more honorable. But I just don't see why Dickon would just go and kill himself like that. Yeah, even his, even his dad was telling him, you know, don't do yeah. it, you know, just bend the knee, like, let me die with honor in his own way, and then you, you survive, and, yeah. And the future of the house. Exactly, but he yeah. doesn't, so it just makes, I get the sentiment, I get it, you know, I'm gonna burn with my dad, it's an honorable thing to do, but it was, might have been honorable, but stupid, and where have we heard that before? Ned Stark? <laughs> Yep. I mean, come on, I love Ned, and I wish he was still here, but there's a reason why he died in the game. Although, you can't say Joffrey was a wild card, nobody really knew that he was going to be this crazy. Like, we knew he was cruel, we didn't know he'd be that crazy, and that Cersei wouldn't be able to control him. So, that being said, I still think Dickon made, like, the wrong choice. And I also, I also wanted to fight Randall in his speech on why he didn't want to bend the knee to Danny, he's like, you're a foreigner, you know, you're, you're, you weren't, you're not from here, but Danny was born at Dragonstone, and the reason why she didn't stay here was because they would have killed her, so, I mean, she has to leave, they had to, they had to take her somewhere, so she would be safe, and then she could come back here, um, yeah. also, with what Cersei's done, because I, I believe Danny was trying to fight for her point of view she's like i know cersei told you that i'm this person that i'm gonna come and burn all of you and all this stuff. and she kind of did in the field of battle <laughs> in yeah. the field of battle though i think she was aiming more to to get rid of the supplies but she did kill people i'm not going to defend that she didn't because she did we saw it there a lot of people burned a uh, point blank um but she told them here you know that's not who i i'm not i'm not gonna be that cruel i mean look at what cersei did she she blew up uh, the Sept with innocence in there, as well as the area around it, and killed them. And Randall, yeah. too. Randall was a sworn house to Tyrell, and he just went over there and just killed Olena. You know, like, it's... 
I, I felt no sympathy for their deaths. Although Dickon was growing on me just a little bit. Just a little bit. And then I was like, okay, well, you know. Yeah. Whatever. So I I understood where Tyrion was coming from. But I think Danny did the right thing. And even if it is, it is a little bit of invoking fear into the army, it was just for them to bend the knee. But once they see how she's ruling and how she doesn't want to have so much bloodshed, I think that they'll know that they made the better choice, you know, to, to follow her. And uh, we have to remember, too, sometimes that the army, it they don't have the same thoughts as their rulers. So the Lannister men might not be evil like Cersei is. They just fight for her because they get paid to do so. So yeah. a lot of gray area. Yeah, so, but also, also I think, like, you know, these are soldiers. Like, she's not talking to civilians, you know? These are yeah. soldiers that, like, fight for... You know, they, like, gave themselves to this cause, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's not like they came in thinking, you know, I'm going to live till 80 no matter what I do. Um, it's, it's, you know, unfortunately the life of a soldier. And I think that these decisions are, you know, things that they should be prepared of because of their position. And also, yeah, I did see where Tyrion came from, but... I also, like, I sided with Daenerys because, you know, it's it's just, she can't, like, this is war, you know? She can't be, she can't go around just, you know, saying to people, like, oh, yeah, okay, like, we won, but you can go home, like, it's okay. And uh, about uh, Randall, yeah, I did not feel sympathy for him either, but I did feel a little bad for Dickon, though. And I thought it was really sad, too, the way they died together. It was a little touching, but still, like, why? <laughs> yeah, like, why? Why? we got the sentiment, like, you're going to go, you're going to burn with your father, you know, that's what, um, that's, like, real love, that's, f like, family ties. I, I totally get that, but we only knew him for, like, a couple episodes, and even then, they recasted him with Tom Hopper, uh, Hopper which I love him. I love him in Merlin, so... They did the right thing by recasting him because I had more sympathy for this actor. Because when we saw Dick on last season, he was just a dick. Like, legit. Like, his name <laughs> made sense. I, yeah. re I don't know if people remember that where Sam and Gilly are having dinner with his family. And Dickon's just a, a jerk, just like his dad. So, I'm not saying just because you're a dick like that, that you deserve to die. I just, I didn't feel sympathy for them. But I understood why they did what they did. Um, but I'm really glad that the rest of the army bent the knee and, you know, she has less enemies than she did, you know, the day before. So I was I was okay with that. And Danny is also learning to to become a queen and, and you have to have a balance of, you know, putting your foot down, but also showing mercy when you can. And this was not the time to show mercy. Yeah. I don't think this I don't think this was it, but I think she might show mercy to maybe when she sees Jamie. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that's probably why I was really upset that Jamie wasn't captured here. But maybe we'll get that eventually. Um, and she could have been very cruel. But we know that Danny is not Cersei. Cersei, I think, is on a whole other level. And um, we're not going to talk about Cersei yet. But yeah, that was pretty much the aftermath of the battle. A lot of stuff. And um, we get back to Dragonstone. 
And uh, Danny goes back, and we get the really cool scene of Danny arriving on Drogon, and John gets to pet Drogon. I was <laughs> like, oh my god, ovaries go crazy, like just explode. And yeah. I feel like not only me as a viewer, or us as as viewers, you know, watching that, I think Danny's ovaries were going cray cray. Um, I mean, if you didn't see the chemistry before, I mean, it's got to be here now. Or if you didn't feel like there was any romantic tension, uh, it's there now. I mean, the way Danny is looking at John, the way John is looking at her when she's talking about how her dragons are not beasts, they're her children. I mean, it's there. It's very subtle, and it's there if you pay attention to um, the quieter moments, I think. Sometimes you don't need to say what you're feeling. But it's just in a look, you can actually get a lot. So how did you feel about the, the Jogan petting and John, like, I don't know, it was just so amazing. I was just freaking out throughout, to be honest. I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't, that he was Drogon and not um, Rhaegal, I think. Yeah, Rhaegal, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because um, I was expecting him to bond first with Rhaegal before mm-hmm. um bonding with any other dragon but i guess this will do <laughs> like it was pretty cool though to see and i love that um you know at first danny couldn't see what was going on she's like i'm missing something you know just looking over see if she could watch what was going on and then like dragon kind of moves and then she can see that he's petting his child <laughs> you know it's 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 kind of surreal and it it's like if last episode felt a little bit like fan fiction, this one just went over the top with that. <laughs> and I loved it. I'm here for it. Um, yes. I just, I, I, I loved it. <laughs> um, and I think this was uh, specifically, you know, put there to set up the revelation that we have later. I, I I definitely agree, and I was hoping it was Rhaegal too, but I guess it has to start with Drogon because I guess he's kind of like the leader, and then maybe we'll get some John and Rhaegal later. I don't know. I'm also trying to remember um, the Tyrion uh, scene last year too, where he goes into um, the underground chambers where Viserion and Rhaegal are are in. I'm trying to remember who he was talking to and got to pet. I want to say it was Viserion, but I don't remember. Uh, It might have been that one, because if we're going to go with that prediction and theory that, you know, three heads of the dragon and one of them is Tyrion, it was probably Viserion. But then there's other people saying that it might be Bran, but I don't don't know. I really don't know how that's going to go, but I'm looking forward to that, but I'm totally okay with the Drogon scene. I loved it. It's like he sniffed Jon and he smelled like, oh, look, you're Targaryen too, okay. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, you can pet me. You can and, pet. Yeah, I love it. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you want to put it in realistic terms in real life, uh, when your pet likes your boyfriend or your girlfriend uh, or your best friend when they come to see him for the first time and, you know, your pet sniffs them out and then lets you pet them, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you're accepting them like, oh, okay, you'll do. You know, because <laughs> not, every, not every pet is, or your pet's not going to like everyone they meet. So, yeah. And uh, I also also loved that when Danny was like getting off of Drogon, Drogon looks at kind of looks at her and I'm thinking like <laughs> like if he could talk he'll be like, you know mommy, this is this guy's I like him, you know, just just letting you know. He's nice. 
Um, I just thought that was a funny moment. The way he looked at her, it kind of reminded me of a dog. It was yeah. cute. To be honest, it was really cute. I mean, if you think about it right now, like, if you have any pets, they are your children. So, if your children like, you know, the person you're, you're with or your family or something, it's it's a good sign. So, they like Tyrion. We were excited about that. Now, they like John. It's like, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and probably maybe a little bit fan but it wasn't, like, a whole 10-minute scene. It was just a very nice, subtle scene. Uh, yeah. And, you know, even... John, who I think uh, is almost always brooding, you know, they're talking there, and he kind of makes a, a couple jokes, like, well, I wouldn't call them, you know, children or beautiful, and she kind of looks at him like, bitch, did you just say my children are beautiful? And he's just <laughs> like, oh, beautiful, you know, like, they, they're, they're so, they're getting comfortable with each other, and it's just, it's really endearing and it's just nice so i mean i guess i ship them but i also i also enjoy these characters separately when they smile because i feel like they haven't done that in a long time so when john smiles i smile so also daenerys too i don't i feel like she hasn't had a lot to uh to smile about until now with john where i feel like she maybe she really didn't smile but she did smile after you know why because jorah's back bitches i said it I said that we were going to get, like, an episode where we don't see him, and the very next one, he was probably going to come back. Um, we get that beautiful scene, reunion with Jorah. I mean, Danny even gives him a hug. Uh, John's looking at him. I don't know if it's jealousy or he's just kind of staring at him. Uh, interpret that however you want. For sure, Jorah probably looking at John like, really? I come back and you already found another guy. Poor Jorah, the explorer, the friend zone. Oh, the friend zone. <laughs> about this, it was just the internet was on fire with this reunion. It was hilarious. I enjoyed that. Me too. Me too. And I love Jora. Like I, I'm not gonna. I don't ship him and Daenerys, but I do appreciate uh, how he's grown to love her because it's the, it's the kind of love that I like to root for. But I yep. know it's not real. It's not gonna be canon, so I'm okay with it. But I enjoy watching Jora look look after her and grow to love her because he's seen her grow into a queen so i really i really like that you know he didn't like her because her name her name is targaryen or she has magical powers he just learned to watch her grow um since season one so i appreciate how pure his love is um yeah it is sweet it is it's very pure very sweet uh unrequited obviously um I really wish Jorah could find someone, but that's not what the show's about, unfortunately. We don't get very many ships here. Um, but I think we can all appreciate so. Jorah. So, if you get a love like Jorah, it'd be nice. Um, but he, he comes back, we get that, that really nice reunion, and then we get pl plans are discussed of what to do next. And John is, gets a letter from Winterfell about Bran and Arya being alive. It's very brief. Um, knowing that he got that that letter i already knew that he wasn't gonna go back to winterfell anytime soon i can't even i don't want to predict that he's not going to be back this season but it's looking that way i don't think we're going to get an aria uh john reunion yet um kind of sad about that but uh all the information is there that bran has visions and he saw the army of the dead and they're coming and we're getting the, the discussion about what do we do now because this is something i was talking about even in the first episode with Sansa and John, and how they're arguing about how to handle stuff at Winterfell, where John is preparing for the Army of the Dead, 
but Sansa's reminding him not to forget about Cersei. And Danny's in the same thing where she's like, I came to get the throne back and overthrow, you know, Cersei. But now we have the army of the dead. So she's tr we're trying to decide who takes priority here. Do we get rid of Cersei and then the army or is it the army and then Cersei? But they come up with a compromise, which is, I don't know how I feel about this plan. I kind of think it's dumb. But with what we're getting from it, I'm okay with it. So the plan is uh, get a White Walker, or not a, not necessarily the White Walker, not the one that like John fights at Hardhome, but the Whites. I think people still have a hard time distinguishing what is the difference. But the White Walker is like the Knight's King, and a White is like a kind of like I think it's like those skeleton things or the people that they bring back from like um, the dying. zombies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The zombies, as Priscilla was saying, the white zombies, or I forgot what she was, she was saying last week, but it was the funny. The winter zombies, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, winter zombies. So they want to bring one back and then show it to Cersei because they think that with her having actual proof that the threat is real, that maybe for a split you know, second that she will agree to a temporary truce where they will not fight each other, but instead kind of join forces and fight against the army of the dead. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this because, one, I feel like Cersei doesn't fit into this fantasy aspect of the show. I feel like there are some characters that don't make sense in the, this last chapter that um, we're going with in Game of Thrones. I was one of the people that said last year, and maybe this year too, I'm not sure, of this podcast, um, that I think that Cersei was, it will die this season. I think that this is her season to, to rule, to get some upper hands, but then to ultimately fail and die. And then season eight would be all about everybody else banding together under Danny's rule and fighting against the army of the dead. I never once thought in my life that Danny and Cersei would join forces and everybody would, would help fight the army of the dead. I think it's a cool concept. But I don't think Cersei is going to fall for it. How do you feel about this plan? And do you have any theories about what's going to happen, Aura? Um, Well, at first I was like, if I were Danny, I would be kind of, uh, you know, hesitant to follow Tyrion's advice anymore after, like, everything that's happened. Like I know, but I kind of like that she's still uh, listening to him. I don't know why. Somewhat. I... Yeah, I feel like because his heart's in the right place, uh, and that's why she still listens to him, but, yeah. yeah. Um, I do think that this plan is a little weird. Like, I just don't see Cersei, you know, just looking at a white and being like, oh, crap, like, this is serious. Like, let's just join forces, and then, you know, I just don't see that happening, so I'm just wondering you know, what's going to happen? Like, is Cersei going to, um, you know, betray them mid-meeting or something like that? It's just, just, I don't know. I'm kind of scared, <laughs> to be honest, because I, I also thought that Cersei was going to die this season, but now I'm not sure anymore. Like, maybe she'll, you know, survive to live another season. Um the last season, I, I think she'll definitely die, but I just don't see her dying any like this season anymore, um, just because I feel like she has a lot more to bring as a villain than just, you know, joining 
the cause and fighting together like a happy kingdom. I think I'm with you on that. I think I was so headstrong on um, on Cersei dying this season, but I'm I, I'm not entirely sure anymore. Like maybe my ninety percent has gone down to like maybe sixty five. Like I I don't know. But then again, these last two episodes are going to be like the longest in history. We got seventy one minutes for episode six, and then eighty one minutes for episode seven. Oh so God. I feel like. Anything, and if we're going as fast as we did in this episode, I wouldn't even be surprised if by next episode, uh, Cersei gets one of the walkers there, or if not the beginning of episode seven, and then that could just be I don't know, like you were saying, a trap because I that's what I believe too that uh, it will be a trap. I know we're not at the King's Landing stuff yet, but I, I, I'm with you, I don't think, uh, I don't think this is a smart plan in that aspect, but I totally understand uh why they're trying to do this and like i said uh i always thought sansa was right and that they need to worry about cersei i'm not saying the army of the dead is not scary but they're moving awfully slow so they should capitalize on cersei get rid of her and then focus on the army of the dead although i understand why they want the 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 alliance it would just be so much not i don't want to say super like easier but it would be uh, a benefit to have Cersei's Lannister army, uh, Euron's, I guess, and then together with Danny and um, the North, like all together to fight the Walkers. Like that would be really cool, but I don't see Cersei playing that. And yeah, she gives yeah. a lot of hints later of why she's probably not gonna be on their side. Yeah, I, you know, I I think we're just in the same page here. I, it's just. I'm, I'm really kind of scared. Although, on your point about the Army of the Dead moving slowly, I feel like we see them moving slowly because they've been, you know, getting here for the past seven seasons. But they're really close to Eastwatch now. And, um, you know, even though we don't... We might not think of this, but time does pass by. Um, as you know, these people travel, and it's like really long because they not everybody has a dragon to you know fly from here to there. And I feel like we're seeing a lot of time pass in like within one episode. Like, just imagine all the travel that was done during this episode that was just like one cut to another, mm-hmm. and like. As this time passed, you know, the Army of the Dead was moving too. So maybe that's why, you know, if you think about it, maybe that's why they're being, they're so worried about it. Because for them, this, like, it takes time to move from one place to another, especially if you're going to plan to move an army. So I think it makes sense that they're so, you know, worried about this. Um, but, like, I do see your point about fighting Cersei first. But I just don't think they see that she might not, you know, be the best option or the best ally in this battle. Yeah, I like to me, in an ideal world, let's say if Cersei did agree to it and she didn't betray them and she did fight with them, I wouldn't even be surprised if her soldiers turned on Danny's soldiers and she tries to, like, take the whole war. So I got I understood what Tyrion was 
Tyrion's plan because he doesn't say, like, we'll, we'll go talk to Cersei. He says, I'll talk to Jamie and she'll listen to Jamie. But I feel like even though they kind of know what's gone on with Cersei and that she lost all three of her kids, I don't think they really understand just how crazy Cersei is now because she doesn't have a tie to this world anymore as far as Jamie goes. I feel like even Jamie is uh is a means to an end. Like yes, like she she loves him or whatever if you that's what you want to think or say or you agree with. Um but I feel like Cersei really ha- doesn't have much to lose. Uh, I think she's very power hungry and I feel like wherever she sees an opportunity to gain more power, she's going to take it. So, um, also to your point about the time, uh, I totally agree. I was uh, on Tumblr, I'm pretty sure, like, maybe yesterday or the day before. Somebody did a whole post, and I wish I, I should have gotten the name of it, of the person who did it. But someone did, like, a time, um, time timeline of what's been going on in Season 7. And I think, I don't want to go into too many details, but the summary is... From episode one to now, 4.5 months have passed. I don't know how accurate that is. They had like a lot of uh, um, numbers and how long it takes from Dragonstone to here and, uh, you know, horseback and also on a ship or a boat or like they had it there, everything. And, but the whole thing was it's been 4.5 months since yeah. episode one. So that is a lot of time. That is a lot of walking for the walkers. They don't get tired. They don't go to sleep. They just walk in. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it is scary. Um, but because Sansa talked about Cersei in, se- in season one, in episode one, I feel like if we had just gone on to Danny's side, like if John had just joined Danny and then they defeated Cersei quickly, uh, we would just have the army of the dead to worry about. But I guess that's too easy, right? We need to have all this drama, all this talking, but it's still good. It's good television. It's the reunions and the the conversations that we wanted with these characters. Like, I agree John shouldn't have bended bend the knee in the first episode he meets Daenerys. I, I get it. Even if I wanted him to do it, I get why he doesn't. So... Then again, my argument's invalid then that they, they should have just done everything in a hurry. But uh, this makes for good TV anyway to drag it out. But I do like that they are making this a point because John kind of dismissed Sansa in that in that scene where he's like, well, you know, the arm, if you would have seen what I've seen, you'd be more scared about that. And I'm like, but you can't just dismiss Cersei because we've seen Cersei. We've seen what she can do. We know who she is now without her children. And yeah, she's scary. Yeah, so, like, for sure we know the army of death is going to kill everybody, but at <laughs> least at least try to live and kill Cersei first and then go for the army. So I'm glad that this is uh, a priority fight where they're talking about And I love that Danny's a part of it, too, and she believes in it, and she gives the okay to the plan. So I'm cool with that. They also decide about who's going to go and get the, the white and Jorah volunteers to go. And I'm just like, what's going on here? Like, was Jorah, Jorah just got back, but now he's leaving. Um, John decides to go as well. So it's just, it's cray-cray. I'm, but I'm okay with it. I, I never knew I wanted this, but it's happening. But I feel like that goodbye with Jorah... First, the reunion with Jorah and the goodbye 
makes me think he might not make it out of this season alive. Oh, gosh. I don't know if you're thinking this. That's just, this is just me. This is just well, me thinking. Thinking because I... I don't know. It just... Those those two scenes were were just so powerful. You know, he comes back, she hugs him, and it's emotional. And then he's leaving her, and he kisses her, you know, her hands. And, it, and Tyrion giving him the coin. Like, it just... It feels so final. But yeah. that could just be me. You know what? It it could and it couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think that not all the characters that went south of the wall... Sorry, north of the wall will, will come back. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally think a bunch of them are going to leave uh, the show. So, we just have to, you know, wait and see who it is or get spoiled on Facebook. Yeah, um, I did jump ahead a little bit, though, because I did have the everyone preparing to leave at the bottom, so I won't talk too much about that, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring up Jorah, because in that scene, he does volunteer to go, so I just wanted to get that cleared up, and then they all agree to, uh, t- smuggling Tyrion, uh, by Davos to King's Landing, and that's exactly where we're gonna go now, we're gonna go to King's Landing, um, we get Jamie returning, and he tells Cersei about what happened and the dragons. And you can totally tell he's shook as fuck. He is so shook by the dragons and yeah. by Olena's uh, confession. Like, everything. And this was one of the questions we had. Like, is he going to tell Cersei about Olena? And is it going to matter? Is it is it going to make a difference about Cersei's hate for, for Tyrion or anything else? Like, what is it going to do anything? And... It kind of doesn't. Instead, it kind of makes Cersei, like, get angry. Like, you know what? I shouldn't have listened to you. You should have just made her death painful. But then I love what Jamie says. And I feel like he's finally breaking out of um, out of Cersei's, like, logic and, and, and her little bubble that she has him in. Because he tells her, like, well, who would you want your granddaughter to marry? Joffrey or Tommen? Like, he was justifying... Olena's murder and I totally loved it. I I absolutely loved that. Um yeah. and that's the first scene we have with Cersei. Uh of them talking about what happened and the dragons and you can just and basically Jamie is saying we cannot win this war and Cersei's like, Well, I'm not gonna give up and right after that Braun secretly leads Jamie to Tyrion without his knowing and we get a brief like reunion scene and we don't really get the the plan being uh told to jamie which is fine because we just had like a five minute scene of that at dragonstone but we do get the emotions there the emotional scene uh jamie saying i should have cut out i told Bron i would cut you in half um and it's just really emotional like it's just it is so good. I, I love Jamie. I know Priscilla's not here to fight me um, or fight us on Jamie, but I just, there was just so much um, of Jamie in this episode that I feel like he's, he was on the right path up to this point, up to this point of meeting Tyrion and deciding to agree to it and then reporting back to Cersei. I feel like all of this was good for Jamie's character. I feel like he was getting a little bit into uh, understanding that Cersei is cray-cray and that it's not a good thing. But then Cersei does something that's crazy. She agrees to the meeting of Daenerys and seeing the White Walker 
and she's okay with it. But then she drops the bomb. One, yeah, one that she knew that Bron was the one who did it, and is is uh, Jamie gonna punish him? And two, that she pregnant. She preggers. Is she, she though? Prego. Is she though? Is she, or is this a manipulation tactic, or is it both? Because we do know from the not the prediction. I'm sorry, I can't think of a uh, uh, Maggie the Frogs. Uh, Wow, I can't think of the word. Not prediction, oh, wow. but the... I know what you're looking for. Um... Yeah, I can't think of the word. I I I hate myself right now. Um, her fortune prophecy. or whatever prophecy. There you go. Thank you. You said it. Uh, <laughs> yes, prophecy. Um, that she will only have three children, and it makes sense because we even talk about how she had like a a stillborn or um her first child with Robert, which really was his child, and it didn't make it. So, it seems to me that she can get pregnant. She probably could have a baby, but that baby's going to end up dead one way or another. So, there's a lot of things to consider here. Either one, she is pregnant, and she's going to use that as a manipulation for Jamie. Because Jamie, at the end of Season 5, finally started to show some signs of, like, fatherhood. And he, it was the first step in telling Marcella that he's her father. And they had that hug, and then she died. And then him talking about Tommen and how he loved him and his baby boy. So this would be like the perfect weapon to use against Jamie, whether the the child survives or not. But I think we all know it won't if she's pregnant. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think that she is pregnant and she's still going to use it as a weapon against Jamie? Or is it all fake and she's still going to manipulate Jamie? Um, you know what? I think she might be pregnant for real. Just because I just find it very hard for her to fake a pregnancy in this world. Like, they do have, you know, they they sleep together, I think. They mm-hmm. have sex quite a lot. And, like, mm-hmm. I just don't see how she could fake a pregnancy to him. Um, especially because it, it's not really... Um, you know, uh, like, favorable. Like, she said it, like, sorry, Jamie said it, like, you know, people are not going to like this. So why sh- would she put that on herself if it was just to um, manipulate Jamie? I think she is pregnant. And this is after a lot of thinking, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is pregnant, but I don't think she's going to have that child at all. And if mm-hmm. she does, like, that would be a total you know, deviation from the books. Because in the books, she's probably not even going to get pregnant at all. So I definitely think we're never going to see that kid. I was also under the impression, too, that, you know, people were coming up with theories that what if she does give birth to this baby, he ends up being like a dwarf, you know, like kind of like a, like Tyrion. Oh like what God. if she what if she dies giving birth? Some people were thinking of that. Um the more tragic thing I think also could be, because that one would be poetic if uh, she gives birth and she dies and it's a dwarf or something, or they both die even though she gives birth to like a, a stillborn or something. Uh, the more tragic one I think is if she is pregnant and Jamie still has to kill her while she's pregnant, so thereby killing the love of his life as well as his unborn child. Um, wow. So that's- I mean, that, that sounds pretty heavy to me. Yeah. Um, and... 
I'm not gonna say poetic justice for Jamie because I think Jamie's like one of the most complex characters in this show because of his storyline and, and there's also a lot of things that people don't know because they've never read the books and they don't know like the flashbacks or some of the stuff that happened during Robert's rebellion and his side of the story so I mean I don't I haven't read the books either but I've read the summaries on what happened and what he said and what's happened so I kind of incorporate that in the show because he does talk about it and it's probably mostly in that scene with Brienne and he talks about his perspective of why he kills the Mad King. So if he has to do that to Cersei with her with uh, his unborn child, that's just that's all kinds of heavy. And I would I think I would feel a lot I would feel really sad for him not cuz I want Cersei's evil child in here. It's just that Jamie was finally learning to care about someone else other than Cersei. I feel like we never really got that aside from Tyrion, aside from family. I think that's where a lot of Jamie's flaws were is that he didn't care about anybody else aside from his family. But when he starts to hang out with Brienne, we get glimpses of him having a friendship and admiration for someone else other than Cersei or his father or Tyrion. And then also having a friendship with Bronn. So that brings me to Bronn too. Do you think Cersei will hurt Bronn or maybe kill him? Or do you think Bronn's story is still going to go? Some people are thinking that one, Cersei might kill him, and that might make Jaime, like, kind of resent her more, but he really can't do anything about it because she's pregnant with his child. Or Bronn is already fucking left King's Landing, and he's going to join Tyrion. Well, <laughs> I really hope it's the second one. Me I too. I, I, me too. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bronn uh, switches sides because of the type of scene he is, and it makes sense. Now that... Like he told, he literally told Jamie in this episode, "Our friendship ends like with uh, with dragons, with like, dragons." Yeah. So, and I mean, I can't be mad at him for that. Like, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and he and he's told her, uh, he's told Jamie stuff about how he feels about Cersei and like, oh yeah, Cersei's gonna have a reign of peace or whatever. Like he he knows. So I I'm a little scared for Bronn right now. I would be very very sad if he dies. Um, I'm not going to rage quit the show, but I will be sad because he's done a lot. Although for money, I still feel like he's done a lot by instinct also to to help Tyrion, um, to, to help uh, Jaime a lot as well. So I yeah. really want to I really want to see him go back to Tyrion. I think uh, that would be really great. So what, what do you think? Do you think he's Cersei's going to do something to him or do you think he'll be able to escape? Well, uh, I don't know. I I really hope that he goes. Um, or maybe, you know, Jamie will tell him to just go. Oh, yeah, that too. Because uh, we did get this scene where Cersei's like, don't betray me again. So maybe, maybe you know, some reverse psychology will hit Jamie and he'll, you know, that'll be the first thing that he'll do. Um, I can I really hope that Bronn doesn't die um, because... Yeah, he has contributed a lot, and he, I really like his interactions with uh, the two Lannister brother, brothers, and I just don't want to see him go. I, he's he's a he very... Can, I, I can see him fitting into the Army of the Dead storyline. I can see him fighting Yeah, uh, with them, like, like, really? Like, first dragons, now winter zombies? Like, I could totally see him being hilarious, um... And then and, and I would really... That, I guess maybe that's fan service but I'm I'm okay with that. Um... 
And I don't know if... I mean, I don't know. I just, I hope he leaves, but I don't put, I wouldn't put it past Cersei to, to capture Bronn or torture him or do something. But she did tell Jamie, like, are you going to punish him? And Jamie's just kind of like, oh, I don't, I mean, I don't know. So I, hard to say, but I think we both are on the same page. We hope he survives. And yeah, it would, I think so- it would be really meaningful if it's Jamie, the one who tells him, you need to leave. You need to go. Yeah, so. I really want that to happen, but I also like. I feel like it would be more realistic if Bron actually um, got killed by Cersei or you know punished by Cersei, which I think by punishment we all know it's death. So I just I don't know. I don't want well, that- to go, but I I'm not putting it a hundred percent out of the table. Yeah, and also I think it adds to. To Jamie's storyline because what we what we've been talking about is like what is Cersei gonna do that's finally gonna drive Jamie to to start to back away from her like it hasn't really happened yet even in the acting um and the facial expressions that Jamie gives you know Cersei and some of the questioning too he still backs her he still loves her he's still with her so nothing's really broken him yet to really start to pull away it's starting to make him think a little bit more. Like after what Olena said, Bron said a couple of things too, and um, now here too, where she's like, you know, don't betray me again, and are you gonna punish Bron? Like it's starting to kind of scare him. And he says that I think in the first episode of this season, like she tells him or she asks him, are you scared of me or are you afraid of me? And he says, should I be? And I think that's a question that uh, it's going to be answered maybe by the finale. So. I mean, we'll see some good stuff. And not only that is happening in King's Landing, we get Davos doing his own thing while Tyrion does his. Davos is apparently looking around Flea Bottom. He's looking uh, for somebody. And right off the bat, I knew who he was looking for. I don't know if you did. I don't know if other fans did. But I knew who he was looking for. And we come across an old favorite since uh, Season 3. I believe, I think it was season three that was the last we've seen of Gendry Waters. They never say his last name, but it should be Waters since he is Robert Baratheon's bastard. Um, Davos comes in, tells him there's a lot of danger, and you know what? Gendry's fucking ready. He, <laughs> he, has, he has his stuff already packed, and he leaves with them. Um, and we get that cool little tense scene where everybody's kind of already meeting up at the boat. The two... Uh, King's Landing knights come in and, you know, Davos does his smuggling stuff with the fermented crab and it kind of works. Tyrion comes at the wrong moment. We get to see a display of Gendry's skills and he kills yeah. both of the guys with the Warhammer, which is, by the way, what Robert Baratheon uh, used as his weapon of choice oh, in, like, oh. everything ever. Um, know, how did you feel about the return of Gendry? The fact that he's ready to come with Davos and leave and that he has a warhammer like his father. You know, uh, freaking finally. Like I'm I know. Waiting. I knew I mean, he wasn't dead. I even Davos says the best. I thought you were still rowing. Or I thought you yeah. were still rowing. <laughs> yeah, he 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 said that and I was like, oh wow, wink wink much like super yeah, meta. We all <laughs> thought so too. Yeah, it was it was really meta. And uh I just love that he was just like I'm ready. Like, I've been waiting for this moment for so long. Like, just take me. 
Um, and I do, I think that that scene with the gold cloaks was set up specifically to show off uh, Gendry's fighting abilities, which I don't know where he learned, but, you know, maybe it's a genetic thing. Maybe he just got it from Rob, naturally. But uh, I am excited to see what Gendry does in the future, and I want to kick some White Walker ass, so I'm here for that. And um, I just thought, you know, Davos is, like... Like, when character thrones are funny, they are funny. Like, Davos and Bronn, they're just, you know, funny characters. That <laughs> Everything that comes out of their mouths, you're like, yes, just yes. Um, and I just love their interaction, so I, I really like that scene. Yeah, me too. I feel like... I was thinking about it because I was like, okay, Gendry's finally coming in here, episode 5. Like, what is his place in in this show? Now, I never really thought about it, even though I've been wanting him to come back because I enjoyed his interactions a lot with Arya. I liked his character, and I was really sad when they took him away. Um, but he also survived, so I always knew that he had some kind of part to play, but I wasn't sure what kind of part. Like, as I've been saying, there are people that are good in the political sense, you know, in King's Landing and with people, and then there are people that can do that as well as the Army of the Dead, you know, like, it's, you, either you can do both, or you can only do one, like, I mean, I just didn't know where Gendry was gonna fall into our storyline right now, and I was so happy that he's here, and I was like, oh my god, he's going, he's gonna go with Davos, and then I was like, but where is he gonna go after that? Like, when they sail away, I'm like, okay, where is he going? Like, are they, is he gonna go to Winterfell and make weapons because that's what i was thinking i was like oh my god they're gonna recruit him he's gonna make weapons with giant glass he's gonna meet up with Arya, and they're gonna have a reunion but that's not where we go we go back to dragonstone and gendry meets john and then it kind of hits me oh my god robert baratheon's son i would say like legitimate heir because i feel like he's not legitimate but whatever his bastard son and then ned's son john meeting each other and I was like I didn't know how much I wanted them to be best friends until Gendry talks about it I John. Know. yeah I was just so like oh my god John and Gendry being best friends and then Gendry like perhaps maybe having Arya as a love interest and John and Arya have a very you know close relationship like how's that it's kind of like um what we saw before with Robert liking Liana Ned's sister I mean Oh my History god. repeating itself. Oh my god. <laughs> but no, like, I I was just like, everything I ever wanted, everything I didn't know I wanted was happening in front of me. They even have the humor of their fathers, you know, like, oh, I thought you're, you know, you're a little bit leaner than I thought. He's like, well, you're a little bit shorter than I thought. You know, <laughs> and it, it was just, and, and then John again, like I was saying, John smiles, he chuckles, and I'm like, I love it when John shows this type of emotion. I love that Davos too is just like, you know, no one's listening to me. You know, I told Gendry not to tell you who he really is, but he comes in here. I'm Gendry, bastard of Robert Baratheon. And John's just kind of like, what? Like, say what? Like, what's going on here? And um, it was just so good. Uh, and he decides to, to go uh, with them to Eastwatch along with Jorah and John, and they're going to go and get the white, meet up with Tormund. And get the white. So, I mean, how did you feel about Gendry meeting John? Did you have all the feels I had? 
<laughs> I definitely did. And then as he kept talking about them, like, you know, just cracking jokes about Robert and Ed, I was thinking, you know, like, when Gendry was like, your your father and mine were best friends. And then I was like, uh, but not really, because your father actually killed John's father. My God, uh, I know, I know. That's too. Rhaegar. So I was like, this is so, like, this is such an an ironic scene. It's just like, you know, it has so many layers to it. Like, yes, there is this funny moment with them. But then as you think about it, you're like, wait, like, not really. <laughs> Like, this is kind of messed up, but okay, we'll go with it. And then, I, I just, I did like their interactions, so I do think that they will be very good friends. And I don't think John's really gonna care <laughs> when uh, he finds out that Rhaegar is her dad, her real father. Um, I don't think he's gonna care that, you know, Gendry's father killed Rigor. Like, I just, I don't, don't see it, them pointing out at all. I think it was just for us, the fans. Mm -hmm. But it was a really interesting scene. I loved it. And, you know, again, Davos, he's just like, it's so done. He's like, well, you're not going to listen to me. You know, might as well do whatever you want. Like, just go. And I love his line. I think it was like, you know, I've done nothing but leave to... I'm ripe old age. I'm like, you know what? Just keep doing that. Keep yourself safe. I know Davos was just... His one-liners this episode was just... Were, they were just so epic. Uh, and he was speaking He was speaking the truth that, that he, though, you know, he's lived to the ripe old age, but yet nobody wants to listen to him. Um, <laughs> and I just love that Davos is, like, adopting all the bastards. Like, he's just got... He got John. Now he's got Gendry. Like, who's next? Like, who is he going to... Where is he going to sign those papers for more bastards? <laughs> like, I'm so excited. Um, oh, I love and it. And people were also mentioning, you know, uh, Rhaegar may have been his biological father, but Ned was his daddy. So, I mean, like, <laughs> let's be let's be honest. If we're going to quote uh, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy 2, yeah, you know, yes. uh, Ned is I, Mary Poppins, y'all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... But yeah, I the like like I was saying that sometimes this show does things I never knew I wanted it to do, and I feel like that is what season seven has mostly been about. Uh, like that Arya and Brienne scene that we got, you know, I never knew I wanted that, but we got it. And again, I didn't know. I still think that the the plan is dumb. I don't think Cersei's gonna fall for it. Um, I think she has a plan up her sleeve of why she wants to meet Danny and get and get them all there and see the white or whatever. But if, if doing that means that we're going to get the Hound, the Brotherhood, Gendry, Jorah, Jon, Tormund, all on some kind of suicide squad, I am 100% down. I am there, but I'm also so freaking scared because I feel like we are going to get some deaths here. And I don't mean deaths. I said deaths. I think we're getting some, some fallen uh, comrades here, so... Yep. Aura, what did you like about everybody meeting? I mean, there wasn't really much to say. They're just talking about how they're all here at the same place at the same time. Different reasons for why they're there, but they're there. They're all breathing. And they're going to do what they have to do. So what did you like about, all, about this scene of everybody coming together? And who's dying and who's coming back? Place your bets. Oh, gosh. Um... 
You know, I wouldn't mind if uh, Thoros of Mir and the other guy, um, what's his name? Oh my gosh, I know his name. The the red priest. Uh, the priest or the one that keeps getting brought back? No, the priest. Uh, Thoros. Wait, that's Thoros? And then, yeah, oh, yeah, Thor- yeah. Thoros is the priest and Beric Dondarrion. Dondarrion is the other one. Yeah, yeah, I got them mixed up. But I wouldn't mind if they, you know, died. Oh, um, but Beric's voice is so sexy. Don't kill him. Like, yeah, but... You okay, know. yeah, if we had to choose who's gonna die, I get it. Yeah, but his voice is so sexy. <laughs> it is, but, like, I don't wanna... I don't wanna lose the Hound. I don't wanna lose Gendry. Like, we just got him back. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna... I I did hear someone saying, though, like, maybe they just brought him back to get rid of him. You know, just, <gasps> just to get rid of the storyline. Who said that? How dare they? How uh, dare they? Know, some YouTuber online... I think, um, but, you know, if they do that, I would be actually pissed. I would be actually quite pissed off, I'm not gonna lie. He needs yeah. to see Arya, like, that's not fair, no way. Yeah, and the Hound needs to see Arya, too. And, and John Sansa, to see yeah. <laughs> Just everybody here needs to see Arya. Everyone needs to see everyone, yeah. So, I know I've been hearing a lot of people say that maybe all of them are gonna, like, die and that John's the only one that's gonna make it back, and I'm like, oh my god, are you really saying they're gonna kill Tormund? Like, are what? What is like, this? No, like, and I, I love all these characters. Like, I love Tormund. I love the Hound. I love Gendry. I love John. I think John's pretty safe, though. Yeah, John's safe. Yeah. Um, because I don't know. I just don't see him going. If they were to kill him, I would actually be really surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, that would take me. You know, out of the blue, it would be amazing. But um, as for who will die, I think Jorah has a pretty big chance. Yeah. I think, uh, like I said, Thoros of Mir and uh, Beric Dandarian. Um, you know, maybe the Hound. Maybe this is where the Hound story ends. <gasps> no. I don't, I don't want to. I know, I know. Um, I just, I don't know. Because, like... And we also just got Jorah back, like, really, um, to Daenerys. So maybe he's safe, too. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't want any of them to die, to be honest. Yeah, me either. I mean, I will actually be really surprised if all of them survive. And I, But I wouldn't be mad about it, either. Because maybe this is maybe this is a fan service thing where they just got all these cool people together. And it's... Like, basically, the most unlikely heroes or, you know, enemies coming together for something. Like, very anime-ish type. Yeah. And I'm and I'm okay with them surviving. And then maybe next season where the real army, the real war is going to begin. And then we start to lose people. I think I'd be okay with that. Um, uh, but if we do lose people here, I don't mind if it's Beric Dondarrion. I don't mind if it's Thoros. I will be sad if it's Jorah, um, only because just like Gendry, he just comes back, and I feel like that's just that's such a waste for him to go down on a suicide mission uh, to capture one white and then they die just because they need to let like John get away or three people get away. I really wouldn't like it, but I understand why they would do it. Um, but I do hope most of them make it out alive. I feel like we have some un finished business i i feel like the hound didn't pretend to die or almost die 
come back for a couple episodes and not even reunite with Arya or I mean he died you know quote unquote protecting Arya or you know defending her and wanting to take care of her so I feel like they still need to meet up again so I feel like the Hound is safe although people are hoping I saw some theories that they think maybe the Hound might fall might get risen again and that's the one that they're going to take to Cersei and we're going to get Clegane Bowl I think that is so far-fetched and I don't want it to happen oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't care about Clegane Bowl yeah, I don't, I don't care about that. I want the Hound on the right side of history for Westeros. I want him to see Sansa. I want him to see Arya. I want him to form a bond with Jon, maybe Tormund. Like, I want to, I want him to see Brienne again. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, I, it's just a lot. But I guess we have to see next week's episode to see how everything's going to play out. But, um. I mean, we'll see. I wish we could really play bet, uh, play some bets here. Um, I think this is the part of the show. I wish the Priscilla and um, and Clay were here so we could hear who they think is going to die or not. But yeah. I think we're. I oh. think you and I are on the same. Like, I think the the three most likely are probably Beric, Dondarrion, Thoros, um, and Jorah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. just. Wow, like really, if they kill Hen- Henry, no, Gendry, I'm actually going to be pissed. I do. I will be mad too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I was gonna mention this earlier. I love seeing them all come together. Um, these like seven men who like all come, pretty much all come from di- different places, but somehow are connected to each other. Yeah. Like Jorah is a Mormont, and uh, his father uh, hunted uh, Termon's friends and family. So. And like you know, just Gendry with the brother with the brotherhood, and I just I love it. It's like you said before um, that this season is giving me things that I never knew I never knew I wanted, and I never knew I would want to see all these characters interact. But once you see it, you're like, wow, this is awesome. This like, is this- so hype. And they ended yeah. it in a great way too. You see John walking, Tormund. Uh, walking behind him right next to Jorah then Beric and then Gendry like they're all like in a line you know just epic yeah epic and I, all the way it was epic and I loved uh, John's line uh, when he's like we are all on the same side because we're all alive you know and you really don't realize that there there shouldn't be any like divisions anymore because of this war um mm-hmm. You know, these are things that are secondary. Like, you can worry about your your grudges once we get back and, like, kill all these uh, zombies. But, you know, just now it's not the moment to be separated. And I, I love that about John too. Yeah, it's legit Fellowship of the White. Like, it's, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, we're talking about people that, you know, are, are supposed to be enemies or whatever. Or they have some kind of history, like... Gimli and um, and Legolas, whose races are supposed to not like each other. They the dwarves versus uh, the elves. They don't like each other. Well, Tormund doesn't like Jorah, and Gendry still holds grudges against what happened to him. And it's just you yeah. know, and then and then the Hound's just kind of there, like hey, you know, like it's whatever. So I mean, anything can happen yeah, next week. Get out of here or not? <laughs> I know anything can happen next week, like. If Beric dies, is Thoros going to bring him back or try to bring him back and this time he won't come back? Or is Jon almost going to die but Thoros has to choose between Beric and Jon and brings Jon back? Like, I mean, 
Or is the hound gonna die and he's gonna bring back the hound? Because remember the hound saw visions in the fire too, so... Yeah. They can't, they can't kill the hound and not explain why he has some kind of connection to the Lord of Light. So I... I, it's just, I'm so excited for next week. I just, I can't even. Uh, our all-star fellowship of the white. I mean, I'm excited. So, lastly, we have two more things to talk about, which I think, uh, I'm not going to say the most important one. That one I will leave for last, so we can just talk about a little bit about theories and what we think is going to happen. So I'm going to start with Winterfell first. We get a couple scenes. Um, kind of sucks because we got a great Arya and Sansa reunion scene. And then followed by Bran, and then the Bran and Arya scene, you know, last week. Um, and it was just so great. But then here, it's like that only lasted like 10 minutes. And now Arya and Sansa are kind of um, butting heads again. Because they used to yeah. do that as kids. They, had, they both valued different things. And I think it's really... I don't want to say it's a sibling thing. It's, it's weird to say that. Maybe it's just me. Because me and my sister, we got along very very well even if we are a little bit different like we we never fought and I never teased her about her liking you know her Lolita dresses or me um liking my symphonic metal music like we never did that but Arya and Sansa were so different that they just butt heads all the time um and now we're kind of getting it again but it's at a it's so it's different because of the people they've grown into and um but you see hints of who they used to be still in them, kind of. I mean, I don't know um, how to explain it because we've been with both of their journeys. We've been with Arya and we've been with Sansa. So we get the scene where Sansa is in that Winterfell room where all the lords are talking to her and they're telling her, you know, the King of the North should be here. You know, he's not here, so maybe we should have voted for you. It should have been you. Um and Arya's listening to this, and she confronts Sansa later and says, why didn't you defend John? You should have, you know, done something, or you should kill him, or whatever. And Sansa has to explain to her, you know, that's not how things work here. You know, we need alliances. You know, I didn't get Winterfell just because I'm a Stark. You know, I had to form alliances. We had to fight. We had to take it back. And um, mm-hmm. Arya is kind of like, well, yeah, you want that, right? Because what if John doesn't come back, then... They're going to trust you, and it's going to fall into your hands, and that's what you want. And uh, we remember Arya has a lot of training with the House of Black and White, and she can read people's faces if they're lying or stuff like that. So Arya is skeptical about Sansa. She thinks Sansa has some ulterior motives. Uh, Sansa's a little freaked out by her sister because maybe she's speaking some truth. Uh, And then we also get Arya spying on Littlefinger, and we know Arya has some training, so she should be good at it, right? But Littlefinger's been doing this longer than she has. So this guy is the creeper in the corner. He's While she thinks she's watching him, he's also watching her. Leads her into his room to a letter that uh, Sansa wrote in season one. Uh, it was a letter that Cersei made Sansa write to Rob. This was before Ned uh, died. This was when Ned was arrested. And yeah. Arya, I believe, around that time was, like, running around the capital or she already got lost. I'm not sure. She was still in King's Landing, but she was not around uh, yeah. to where they could control her. They were controlling Sansa the entire time. Yeah, so, it, was, it was after the attack to, uh, to Ned's uh, forces. So, like, mm-hmm. Arya had already escaped when uh, Sir Pharrell died. Exactly, uh, yes. 
So it's all of that, and so, so basically, Arya doesn't know why that letter was made. It just says there, your faithful sister Sansa. So, to her, it looks like Sansa turned in her father. You know, conspired to, to um, betray her father and all this stuff. So, Aura, how did you feel about the Winterfell scenes? Uh, are you taking them at face value? Do you agree with what Arya is saying? Do you agree with what Sansa is saying? Uh, do you think LF is really uh, tricking Arya and she is falling for it? Or do you think this is all just a plan to think or to help Littlefinger think he knows what he's doing? I mean, what's going on here? Wow. Um, I have to say, um, I like as much as I like Arya, she came out, to me at least, um, a little bit dislikable in this um, episode because she... You know, when you think about it, you can see where she's coming from. But also, like, Sansa doesn't think John is a good leader, like, at all. But she doesn't, she's not planning on betraying him. You know, she's just trying to, um, you know, talk to him and, like, kind of, well, at least she was trying uh, before he left. And then she's just trying to, you know, make him think stuff, think stuff through. So, I don't see, I don't think that Sansa is actually, you know, plotting to, um, I guess, overthrow John. And I think Arya, uh, Arya is seeing things the wrong way here. Um, she's obviously, <clears throat> sorry, she's obviously being manipulated by Littlefinger. And, uh, that little rat, like, as much as I hate Little finger. It was good to see that he's not that he is doing useless. something. Yeah, like I liked seeing him, you know, backing his rat ways. Oh my gosh, I hate him so much. But um, I thought Arya Arya was in the wrong here. I really thought that, you know, um, Sansa is trying to, you know, keep keep um things calm without um you know, 100% being John. Like, obviously, Arya um, loves John, and that's why she's so biased, but she hasn't seen what Sansa has, and she doesn't know as much as, of politics as Sansa does. So it really isn't um, very helpful to be arguing arguing with the Lords of the North about whether John is a, is a, John's decision was right or not, because then... That would only bring more trouble. But obviously, Arya doesn't see that, right? So it's just it's just this really complicated situation. And um, I just, I am 100% on Sansa's side. And um, I kind of think that she's, um, they have to find a way to, you know, uh, make up and see that the real you know the real plotter here is little is little finger and like you know join forces and fight against him because he's the one who's bringing all the trouble here not sansa but i don't know if aria will see that and i saw some like things that you know maybe aria will kill sansa and i wow i really hope that doesn't happen yeah i i completely agree with everything you've said um, I think 
the whole John and Sansa thing has been hinted since last year. I think people felt that Littlefinger was going to be whispering in Sansa's ear, but I feel like he's been there, but he hasn't really said anything to her. And I feel like the, the scenes that we get where he's talking to her, she shuts him down immediately. I feel like she's playing him like, I don't want to say little. they're nerfing Littlefinger, you know, the term where he's just not as good as he used to be, but I feel like it is true. And not in the bad way. I feel like Littlefinger knew how to maneuver things in King's Landing because of the people uh, were his age and he understands them more. He knows how to manipulate them. He knows who's crazy for him. He knows who's easily wishy-washy. He knows his stuff. But Game of Thrones has kind of taught us that as much as the history is a big part of the show, we also know where it's going. It's all about the, ge- the second generation of the kids. It's about Daenerys growing up, Jon growing up, Rob, Sansa, Arya, Bran, like everybody growing up. And yes, Cersei's still here. Yes, Jamie's still here. But it's not the same way that Littlefinger maneuvers in King's Landing. I feel like these kids are smarter than he thinks they are. But I understand that maybe Arya could be caught up a little bit because yes, she's not... 11 anymore she's like about 14 15 like i get it but she just learned to be an assassin and maybe tell who's lying who's not but she didn't really learn politics and she didn't really learn maybe to grow out of some of her stubbornness which is fine that is an aria trait that is her her thing just like john is brooding and and merciful and sansa you know she sansa i feel like has changed the most like there's not i don't even think there's a a an inkling of the old Sansa in her. I think uh, I think she's completely changed, yes. but not her love for her family. I think the love for her family will, is the only thing I think that's still with her. But everything else, she learned about politics. She learned that you can't really trust everyone. Like even when she found John again, and John tells her, you know, I'm never gonna let him touch you again. She says, you know what? No one can even. No one can protect me. Like she is so different from what yeah. she. Uh, what she once was um so i i i don't believe aria in that you know sansa wants the finer things i think people kind of forget but when they took winterfell last season john told sansa to stay in her mother and father's room because she belongs there she's a rightful lady and sansa takes it because also i don't think sansa wants to stay in her old room if i remember correctly maybe ramsey was staying in her old room i don't remember I don't know, but I feel like bad memories in her room might still be there. I mean, I don't know. Sansa doesn't even dress as better than her mother did, but she doesn't dress as flashy as she used to. I don't know if people, like, pick up on the costuming in the show, but you, you should because it tells a lot about the journey of the characters. But yeah. um, Sansa used to wear a lot of pretty dresses, very flowy, maybe showing a little bit of cleavage, very little because she's still very young. But... Yeah. um. You know, she used to do that, and now, if you notice, she's almost all covered up, kind of like a, kind of like Cersei. Like, she covers everything up, and not because, Cersei, because it's more like she wants to um, show how powerful she is. Sansa, I feel like it's to protect her more than it is to show power. So, when Arya says you like the finer things, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about here. Um, so it's just, it's sad, but I do think, uh, I still stand by that these girls are a little bit smarter, but I feel like it's going to come to a head maybe next episode, but I feel like they might talk it out. I'm hoping Bran 
is going to help him out. I don't know. We talked about Bran and how far he's willing to go uh, to tell his siblings about stuff that he knows. Um, I would really like it if all three of them are plotting something against Littlefinger. And I would love it. I think it would be a great way to end Littlefinger because he started everything just because he was in love with Catelyn and she didn't love him back. Yeah. And this and this was not revenge against Catelyn, but he wanted her. So he did everything he could. But he, And even so, he started the entire war, but he didn't even anticipate Tywin doing the Red Wedding and Catelyn dying. Yeah. So that goes to show you that Littlefinger doesn't always have everything figured out. So if he can't figure that out, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets played by by Arya, Sansa, and Bran, or maybe just Arya and Sansa. So I think um, I think he will die this season. Me too. And you know, I yeah. have this little I have this little theory. I don't know if you um, watched um, all the trailers for the uh, for season seven. I have not. Well, uh, I don't know if I want to tell you this then. Because there is this line that Sansa speaks, and I feel like that... Oh, the wolf pack one? Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. Then yes, I have heard that one. There is that line that she speaks, and I feel like she is either going to tell that to Littlefinger as he dies, or or that's her... Those are her last words. So I I feel like it's one or the other, you know? And, you know, um, especially if it's Arya the one who ends up killing her. Like, you know, Sansa is not evil. And, like, she tells her this after her last words as an advice for her. But I feel like it'll be more, like, the last word she'll say to Littlefinger as he dies. And I hope that is the case. Because I just don't want to see Littlefinger's face anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think these reunions, you know, season seven, the, the season of reunions, I feel like this is just some plan to complicate things in Winterfell for a little bit. But also... To get rid of Littlefinger. Because like I said, Littlefinger doesn't fit into this fantasy aspect anymore. And he definitely will not fit into the new world that this new generation is bringing. Because once we get rid of Cersei, we get rid of Littlefinger. Like the old generation of evil people, I think uh, Westeros is going to be a lot better. So I don't see how we get rid of Cersei, but Littlefinger is able to stay alive. Like that to me is wrong. I feel like... They still need to just... They, they deserve to die. Littlefinger deserves to die, even if he's never spilled a lot of blood. I mean, he killed Lysa, even though she was crazy. I mean, that's not a, that's not a reason to kill someone because they're crazy. But he still did it anyway. Um, so, Littlefinger has a lot of blood on his hands because of the things he's orchestrated over a course of years. Um, and maybe nothing to do with Robert's rebellion and overthrowing the Mad King, but definitely when Robert Baratheon became... Um, king he's been working his way up and uh as much as we admire him for that and his his scheming and stuff he he needs to go he needs to go he doesn't belong in this new generation anymore and there's no way we can convince him otherwise like if you wanted to keep littlefinger alive and sansa would tell him you need to stop being littlefinger and then you can live like there's no way that we're gonna get a good littlefinger we're always gonna have a chaotic evil um, Littlefinger, because that's what he likes to do. He likes to create chaos, which is what he's trying to do with Sansa and Arya. Mm-hmm. So, 
he's got to go. And I think he will go, and I'm okay with him dying like that. I have admired him. It's been, it's been a good time, but Littlefinger has flaws as well. So I wouldn't put it past him to, to die because of the mistakes he's made and underestimating the new generation. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, there is no denying that Littlefinger is a mastermind. He's a genius. Yeah, he's the, guy, the guy has, you know, he's smart. There is no denying on that. But, like, I think also that this is his time. Like, he just, he just has to go. Like, I just don't see him you know, doing anything. And, you know, maybe maybe we'll all be surprised. Maybe Littlefinger will win the Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. But um, as of now, I just don't see him, see him, like you said, fitting anymore in this world. Yeah, and maybe he could fit after the Army of the Dead thing, but if we're to assume that Danny's going to take the throne, I feel like Littlefinger has no place in Winterfell in the veil i mean in the veil that guy i keep forgetting his name um doesn't even like him you know he's mostly there because he supports lady sansa so nobody wants little finger there nobody trusts him uh i think he just needs to go and he's been an awful person even if he's never you know actively killed people he did a lot of things to make sure people would die you Mm -hmm. know so he's gotta go him and cersei have gotta go um, I've enjoyed Littlefinger and the portrayal and everything, but he, he gonna die and it's gonna be very poetic, I think. Uh, especially since the day he betrayed Ned Stark is, I think, the day that, um, changed the course for his character in that he was, he's gonna die. You know, he didn't help, he didn't try to help Ned Stark at all. He did, he betrayed him for a reason. He wanted Catelyn to be a widow and so he could get close to her, but, uh, not... You he gonna die and that's it. So Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yes. Gonna wait uh, how it happens. Yeah, I know me too. I'm I'm very, very excited. I still think it's the dagger like you were saying last week. I think the dagger will be his undoing, but I still wanna see how it's gonna happen. Um they're really trying to get into the audience, I think, uh, the casual viewers, uh, that there is like a rift between Arya and Sansa. And I think there is. I think there is some um tension there i mean they both been through a lot and they both told each other that but they really don't know the extent of it and mm-hmm. i think sansa's kind of seen it and when brianne and Arya are sparring she kind of like oh oh crap like my sister is different but Arya hasn't really seen sansa and how she's changed because there's really no way to show uh, Arya the difference between who Sansa was and who Sansa is now because of what she's been through. Like, there's no display of um, of uh, progression from Sansa for Arya to see, like, oh, this isn't... I'm not that person anymore. So, we'll, we'll get to see that. I'm pretty excited. So, lastly, we got the big bomb. We got the Shitadel. I'm still going to call it the Shitadel, although we haven't had any gross... Um, uh, montages or anything which is fantastic because i'm still eating while i watch game of thrones i haven't learned my lesson um but sam is in the room with the with the the meister is it meisters or meister i think meisters are the the head head right archmeisters are they i mean i don't know some people are saying that the the meisters are the head ones and then the meisters are under them i don't know well like like archmeisters because that's what sam calls them okay archmeisters i i don't i don't 
So I call myself a Game of Thrones fan, doesn't know <laughs> what you to know, call them. For everything, it's okay. Whatever, headmeisters, headmeisters, they're all there. They're discussing the letter that they get from Winterfell, uh, talking about Bran and how he has the visions of the army of the dead and that they're coming. And they're talking about it, and Sam is in there, and he's listening, and he's he doesn't want to, you know, interrupt them or, you know, say something because he doesn't really belong there, but he has proof that it's true and he tells them you know if you send notes to everybody and you tell them you warn them that they're coming they're going to listen to you and I think you should because I've seen it I've been there I killed a white walker and all that the the guy we've been seeing I guess the head head guy is like I'll take it into consideration that's like the best he gives Sam and they all we also learned that they know that Sam and his uh, Sam's dad and his brother are dead but they don't tell him um but this is pretty much the last straw for sam he's kind of upset that the truth is there it's out there he's seen it but people are still refusing to believe it and he's just he doesn't he doesn't do he just doesn't like it so he decides to leave he gets set off which is funny because he gets set off at the time where gilly is practicing her reading and she's just reading whatever it's kind of like when they call on you in class and um they tell you to read aloud. I remember this happened to me a lot. Mostly freshman year, they would tell me to read like part of a play, and I would read it. And then the teacher would be like, "Okay, so talk about what just what 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 she just read." And I'll be like, "What the hell did I just read?" So I have to read <laughs> silently to myself because I'm yeah. reading I'm reading the words, but I don't know what I'm reading. If that makes sense, like I'm not paying attention to the story. I'm just reading aloud because I got picked on, and I feel like yeah. Billy is doing that. And she's like, "What what what is this?" And she's reading. And it says there that Ragger <laughs> got an annulment and had a secret wedding in Dorne. Oh I was yelling. I was screaming. And I was like, Ragger? Like, I was laughing and I was screaming. And then Sam just totally dismisses what she's saying and decides to leave, get some squirrels, get some books. They pack up and they leave. Yeah. Holy crap. How did you feel about the entirety of the Citadel stuff and the big bomb of Lyanna and uh, Ragger Targaryen? <laughs> <laughs> Prince Ragger. Well, um, starting off with the scene with Sam and the Archmaesters or the Maesters, Meisters, I don't know. Um, <laughs> those people were, you know, just dismissing completely Sam's um, thoughts about the war and the White Walkers was came across very as very you know douchey they were very dislikable and like the way they were just so full of themselves just i hated it and i could see sam's uh frustration when he was just you know trying to tell them this urgent thing that they should be worrying about but they just didn't listen um my hope is that you know the 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 guy that sam has been talking to throughout the season the Archmaster, I, I'm pretty sure it's Archmaster, um, that he he is the only one that doesn't seem 100, that he just doesn't laugh it off like the rest of them. Like he actually thinks about it, you know, um, and I, he gives Sam a little bit of hope when he's like, you know, we'll, we'll think about it or something or we'll look into it. Um, and then about uh, Gillis, like bomb. I love the way they just casually dropped this. And, he, and you could see that it was 
exclusively for the fans. Like this did not affect really the the events that are going on right now. It's, it was just all for the fans. And I'm I'm okay with that. Like I know that it was just a, a confirmation that he is a legitimate Targaryen. Like we all were uh, just waiting for someone to mention it. And I don't think any of us ex- like thought it was gonna be Gilly, the one who <laughs> you know just dropped this information. And the fact that she's just completely ignored, it's kind of sad, but I'm not angry with Sam because, you know, you you know that he's been he's been having a rough day and he's make he's trying to make this decision. And when he finally leaves, I think it's really, really sad because you know he want he wanted this, he wanted to be a maester. But you know, the fact that he's leaving makes makes me think of two things. First, that he might not be safe anymore. <gasps> and that concerns me. Like, that really scares me. I don't want to lose Sam because he's one of my favorites. Like, I, I feel like he's the one character that I can cling on to. Um, because he's, you know, he's always kind of been safe. Um, except when he was, like, you know, north of the wall, but... Like, besides that, he's always been really safe. And I feel like if we lose him, like, what am I going to do with my life? And then the second thing is that, you know, maybe he's going to become the lord of House Tarly now that his brother and his dad are gone. Like, who else is going to, you know, take care of that? And he would have, well, I don't know if that would still be a thing, but he he would have... uh, High Garden, and I think that would be pretty cool, to be honest. So I don't know what you think about that, but about either of those um, thoughts that I have. But I hope it's the second one and not the first, or that he just comes back and becomes an actual maester. But I just don't want to see Sam go. Yeah, I left this for the for for the last uh, thing to talk about because I feel like there's like infinite uh, possibilities here for Sam because. If you were to tell me that Sam was going to have, like, the biggest change uh, in a character arc, I would have been like, whoa, like, why do I care? Like, I I mean, like, I love Sam, but he's not, his, his story arc for me is not the most exciting in, in terms of, like, where he is and what he's doing. I'm always, but I am always excited when he's reading something because I'm hoping that he's going to reveal something that we don't know or confirm something we think. So his arc this season in particular has been really great. I really liked how he met up with Jorah and then he saved him. And I was like, man, I think I think uh, Sam's really going to work his way up here. But here we just got a total game changer. One, something I expected, which was the Maesters weren't going to be listening to the Army of the Dead thing. I think that was just going to be a theme this season of trying to get people to recognize the danger that's coming and a lot of them aren't going to to care or they're not even going to believe that it's real. Um, I mean, Danny was one of them too, but it made sense because, I mean, dragons, but I draw the line that, like, winter zombies, like, what? No. <laughs> so, I mean, I knew that was going to be a thing here and I was hoping that we'd kind of get over that 
by like episode four or something that people were gonna get a taste of what's coming or at least just blindly believe it um but no that's not what we get and the macers i think would be the make the most sense in not believing it because they're just old people with old ideas and oh it's been a long time and nobody but the thing is i think for me that i always get frustrated with like i was frustrated with you with uh, like how sam was frustrated is that these people have records of white walkers and the long night existing before but just because it hasn't happened in so long it's really hard to believe that it's happening right now like that's that's where i'm like guys it happened before why is the possibility of it happening again just not registering right now like how could you not even consider it or anything and then you have somebody yeah and you have somebody here sam who's telling you i've seen it i fought it you know, and Sam's been pretty good. He hasn't really said anything to make it to make us or the Maesters think he's crazy. Um, so why can't they take his word for it? You know, and they're getting letters from from Winterfell that you know it's happening. It's here, and they're the closest to the wall. So you would think that them sending the letters is kind of like another um, confirmation that something spooky is going on. Yeah. You know, they're so. I understood why Sam was just so like, you know what, I'm done here. Like, I can't do anything here. Although, that's something we talked about, right? Like, the past couple of episodes. I was like, what is the difference between what Bran already knows and what Sam's going to find out? And then last episode, I was like, oh, maybe it's just that Bran's going to say something and then Sam's going to confirm it. You know, and then maybe Sam's going to bring proof or whatever. Now... He's left the Citadel, but not empty-handed. He leaves with a bunch of stuff. And from what I understood, he leaves with that book that Gilly read uh, the annulment I from. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they took it out. I think there's a reason why uh, Sam takes the book and puts it near uh, Little Sam. I think they definitely take that book. And probably because Gilly was reading it, she probably wants to take it and finish it. So I do think that that's going to come up again. But this reveal... Was for us just like the um, the Tower of Joy scene in the flashback. Yeah. It was for Bran, but it was also for us. It confirmed that yes, he is Lyanna's son. Now we don't know who the father is, but we can assume it's Rhaegar. So that's like our our, our finale from last year. Now here we get Rhaegar gets an annulment. So that like also confirms that Rhaegar is the father and that John is a legit child he's not illegitimate he's a legitimate child because Rhaegar got an enrollment from his wife Elia yeah. so it is a huge bomb subtle which I'm okay with because everything else leading up to John finding out about what's going on with him they've been pretty big bombs we got a whole flashback of it but here it just slips on by like nothing but it's for us it's for us to be like holy crap 20 years of people theorizing stuff is finally cemented here i mean granted it could just be for the show the books could do it totally different maybe an annulment's not even a thing could be totally different but here they're saying it's an annulment so it's it's pretty huge and like you said too i think it's only gonna get it's only gonna be a big shock or really big when john finds out but i think the whole point of what the writers are doing is everyone's finding out and then john will find out so i i'm okay with that i'm totally um, okay with John finding out last um, 
And like I said, I don't think he's going to find out until after he does the deed with uh, Danny. So it's going to be even <laughs> more drama. Like, oh my god, I slept with my aunt. Or I you know my what? aunt and or like, whatever. By the way things are shaping up, maybe he's not going to know until, like, you know, after the White Walkers. If, like, maybe, like, I don't know. I say that if he survives, like, maybe he's just going to know after that. And maybe, like, if he's not meant to survive, to survive, maybe he'll know before. But I feel like that it's more of a, I don't know, I just, I think it's a more of a finale thing, because it doesn't really matter right now with the war that they're yeah. facing. But, like, after after it's all over, you know, for them to come in and say, you know, Jon Snow has the most, has the strongest um, claim. claim to the throne. And what is that going to do to Danny when yeah. she finds out? Because she wants... The thing is, for me, is I know John doesn't really want to rule. He doesn't really want anything. Uh, so that, to me, doesn't mean that I think that John and her are going to fight like over who's going to do it. But I do think it will affect Danny uh, in a way like, oh, my God, like you have more claim and blah, blah. But I don't think John will fight for that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's going to be a tension thing. Maybe... I'd be really surprised if John finds out um, in the finale of this season. I don't think it's likely, but if he does, that causes some political tension for next year. Because I would be kind of sad if next or next season is just fighting the Walkers, and that's it. There needs to be some kind of political agenda in yeah. there in, with, with the with the with the throne and everything. So if we like we were talking about Cersei, if Cersei's not dead by the end of the season, and she's still something for next year then that could be also added to that plot but if she is gone and danny is ruler then john can come here and it could be a it could be pretty cool i would like to i i can't think of a scenario right now or an arc right now but i do know that that would cause some tension some drama especially if him and danny continue to get closer and we even get a love scene or a kiss or anything it's gonna have a lot of conflicting emotions <sighs> and i I know that's like the TV soap opera in, uh, fan in me, but I, I'm okay with that because I want to see how they handle uh, these problems and these uh, these um, these revelations. So it's super interesting. I this change this is a big game changer, especially since uh, John's always believed he's been a bastard. But not only is he not a bastard, but he is a uh, heir to the throne. Like he has the best claim to yeah. it so i mean his whole life he's felt like he's nothing when really he is something he is ice and fire yeah, yeah. like he it, it's it's really you know you gotta love game of thrones like irony that these the like Jon snow he grew up believing you know this thing and it turns out that he like his life could get completely turned upside down um by the revelations that sam and gilly have on their hands and you know it's just amazing and i also have hope um like you said that next season it's not just you know a war the war against the white walkers like this is called game of thrones like i like you know you have to show me who's left to you know rule the seven kingdoms if there are still seven kingdoms like you who knows how much things might change but there someone has to be for sure um on on the throne by the end of season eight so i'm excited to see what's actually going to happen i know i'm so it's just a lot of 
like I said, like this episode was a lot of setup, but also a lot of reunions and a lot of revelations. And and the biggest one that fans have been waiting, book fans have been waiting for, um, for twenty years, and it's 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 insane. And I wonder if we're gonna deal with some of that this season, or if it's all just gonna fall into next season. And this these next two episodes are, you know, just the I I, I honestly believe that these next two episodes have to do with uh, the plot of like all all things Cersei and trying to get her to believe something and the next episode like uh, episode 6 is going to be maybe like a really big cliffhanger and then the last episode episode 7 is probably like a big battle of like to overthrow Cersei because um, <laughs> this is still my biggest prediction that I think is going down I don't think we're getting the army of the dead this season I think it's going to end with the wall falling I think that is um, the season closer. So I think we have to deal with Cersei and all that stuff. But I think a lot of things are just going to go straight to hell. And then on top of that, the wall is going to come down. And I'm wondering if anyone's going to be around there when the wall comes down and be like, oh my God. Or if Bran's the only one that's going to see it. And then like the impending doom that's coming. So um, I feel like John needs to find out his uh, his rev- the revelation of him being... Uh, a Targaryen because or a Stark and Targaryen if you want to go that way um, because it has to do with that prophecy they mentioned the prophecy in like episode 2 um, about Daenerys you know it could be he or she like we need to find That's this right stuff right. out to see what role he plays in the big battle is he going to have like that special uh, weapon to kill them all like how does he have to kill the Night King like or is it Danny that has to kill him like what there's a lot of stuff that that we need to figure out before we get into the big battle with the White Walkers. And that includes John's heritage. Or parentage, I'm sorry. So, oh, I'm just so excited. Like, I, they're saying the show is becoming so predictable. but I, but And I feel like to an extent that's true. But after all of what I just said right now, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to do certain things. And I yeah. that makes me very excited. Like, you think everything is it's gonna happen one way and then they throw you out of the blue and it's just like okay I, I don't know anymore <laughs> like you win um and you know what like as much as you know it, it was like things had become predictable like at the very beginning of season seven I feel like I had that um I had that feeling as well that like you know I just knew everything that was going to happen um but like right now I'm just like you know I don't I don't know like I don't I don't know if this is going to happen or if this is going to happen like you see your characters go in this quest uh north of the wall and it's like are they going to come back like I who's don't know. gonna come back yeah exactly. how who yeah but uh yeah that's the fun of it I guess we'll just have to wait and see and I'm so excited so excited to see what happens next yeah, I think I hype myself up right now talking about all this stuff because even though this episode was very fast-paced, I feel like we got a lot of good stuff and it leads me to other questions. Like I was saying, like, okay, we got the annulment thing. Like, did people even consider an annulment? Like, how did that happen? Was Elia okay with that? Are we going to get more flashbacks? Like, I want, because there's a lot of talk about the spinoff shows that, they, that they're going to be making with Game of Thrones um, and... A lot of people are like, I don't want a Robert's Rebellion because we kind of already know everything. 
Yeah. Uh, and and I'm kind of like I would love to see a ten a, a ten episode arc of Robert's Rebellion of two seasons or one season or one season with like thirteen episodes. Like I would love to see that. I want more detail about what happened back then. We would get a a young Ned, a young Robert, a a young Jamie. I also want to see what's going on in Rhaegar's head. Like is he really a selfish douche? Um, they cheated on his wife and then got an annulment and left her in the dry or is Elia from Dorne and she's okay with what he was doing like you know like I want to get into the head of these people so I'm wondering are we going to get more flashbacks this season or next season or if none at all and I'm really excited I like the history stuff I like those flashbacks I'm a flashback person I I think I just like it I want to see Rhaegar Targaryen I want to see um the Battle of the Tridents. I want to see, like, all that good... I want to see Liana a lot. Like, I want to see... Was it a Romeo and Juliet thing? Was it a love affair that caused a war? Um, or was it, like, a naive 17-year-old girl who just believed in the crazy stories of Rhaegar? Like, uh, Barristan Selmy always talks highly of Rhaegar, that he liked to sing, he liked to dance. And then here we get the story that he had an annulment from his wife, and now his kids are illegitimate, and he runs off and marries this girl like why like what's i want more of that stuff to to learn more um especially since i want to know uh if there's any of rhaegar inside john because we see a lot of ned in him but is there any rhaegar is there any liana and we're not familiar with those characters too much uh aside from what other characters have told us about them so that's just me uh, I would love a Robert's Rebellion, but if we're not going to do that because we're getting more flashbacks, I would love it. There hasn't been any news, unfortunately. I can't give you guys any of that if they've casted a Rhaegar or if Liana's actress is coming back. If you ever want to know that, they say to pay attention to the opening credits that uh, you can tell the actors and the actresses of who's going to be in the episode. I don't pay attention to that, so... People were saying that they already knew Gendry was in this episode because the actor's name came out in the opening credits. Yeah. Uh, so I don't pay attention. I listen to the song. I'm tagging people on Facebook, and then it's over, and then I watch the episode. So it's like um, it's a surprise for me. So if you guys are like want to know that, then just pay attention to the opening credits. But um, yeah, okay. I, I talked too much about that. I just the reveal's just so good that I have so many questions about those characters. I'm interest I'm legit interested in those characters. Um and I would love George to write like a very small novel about it because I would love to read if about these characters. So me too. <laughs> I know it's just it's all it's good lore and I love lore. So yeah. I'll read I'll even if you're not going to make it into a TV show then let me read it. I'll read it. I don't care. Like it just sounds so it it puts things in perspective for me because I like complex characters like I enjoy Robert Baratheon but I also know that he was a womanizer and that Liana didn't want to marry him because she didn't think that he would give up that type of lifestyle even for her you know so it's like all this complicated characterizations but then again she was only like 17 18 so she was blinded too by love and she went with Rhaegar and just a lot of good stuff so it sounds like a soap opera but I don't care I love it. So it's good soap opera, so it doesn't matter. I know. Uh, don't put it on the CW, but uh, you know, uh, I I hope we get some more flashback. That is my hope. Maybe a small prediction that we might get some, um, even if it's little flashes. I would really like to see it. So 
I think we covered the episode pretty good for the two of us. I think uh, there was a lot of good discussion here. And so we only have two things left to do, which is the MVP and the rating of the episode. So we're going to start off with the most valuable player, our MVP. If you guys remember the rules, here they are. Which character impressed you the most and why? State which character. Um, and briefly tell us why you picked that. If someone already mentioned the character you were going to choose, you must select a different one. So... Aura, who is your MVP for this episode, and why? Um, I have to say, my MVP for this episode, it's going to be Danny. Oh! <gasps> because... <laughs> because I hope I didn't take her from you. No, I didn't. <laughs> because... Uh, okay, good. Because, you know, she... She's... She's doing what Elena said. She's being a dragon. But she's not being a crazy dragon. And I love that... Um, I love the way she showed you know that she's like she's not you know that she's doing the right thing and i and i think that people you know the people around her don't see the way that she's thinking but she's right like she can't take prisoners she can't um you know show mercy in the middle of war especially if she wants to win but she also um, gives them a choice, right? She's not 100% evil. Like, she doesn't just burn them all, like, right there. Um, and I just think that we've seen a lot of Daenerys being... Like, we saw her, we saw her in season one being very naive and, like restrained and then we saw her grow into this leader and then she kind of went a little too far and didn't know how to handle things and now and now she's learning right now she has all these um all this experience that just she knows she trusts in what she's doing and i really like that and i also liked um i also liked the way that she reacted to um, John and Dragon's interaction and the way that she reacted to Jorah. Like, you could see, like, yes, she burned these two people alive, this father and this son alive, and then moments later, you can see that she's not crazy, that she still, you know, she has feelings. She does, she's good, and she, the speech that she tells to John is just very, you just kind of understand where she's coming from, and I really like that, and it's gotta be Danny. That's crazy. I mean, not that Danny doesn't deserve it, but I had like a top three here and she wasn't even in it, which is interesting. So, but good pick. I agree. I think she showed a lot of um, of what kind of queen she can become. And I'm really yeah. glad that I want her to listen to her, her advisors, but I also want her to be able to make her own decisions and for them to be the right ones. Um, so I think she did a lot of that this episode. Um, so good pick. And my pick is actually going to be Gilly. I think uh, she gave us something that we all didn't expect her to give. I mean, out of all the people, we got the former illiterates. Um, I guess she's a wildling, right? She's in a, Yeah, she's a wildling. She yeah. A wild. uh, wildling gave us the biggest bomb the show's ever had. I mean, yes, we got the, the flashback last season, but this, we, we got that and more. We got the Rhaegar confirmation. And that he is John's father. And 
that he got an annulment from his wife, with meaning he got and that he got remarried secretly in Dorne by a sept. Uh, 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 is it a sept or was it a maester? It was a maester, I think. Yeah, uh, maester married them. So, so who knew about that? Is obviously somebody knew about that, but like, me, I guess it was just them and. It's per- and also I think people didn't really realize, but it was very clever for them to put it in that book because when you're listening to Gilly read what's in there and she's asking Sam, like, do you know how many of this and this? They put it in a book under a guy talking about his bowel movements. Like he put <laughs> it in the most least likely place yeah. to ever find it. And especially with all the shots we've gotten of the of the Citadel and how many books and scrolls are in there, like, they don't have a section there for, like, Rhaegar and Targaryens, like, or if they did, it's not going to have that in there, but they put it in a, in a better place, and it's just cool that Gilly's just learning to read, and she just gives it to us, she gives it, she gives it to us straight, and, uh, she's been in a couple of seasons, and I love her, she's adorable, and uh, I can't wait till they revisit that, but I think Gilly won this episode. I loved, I, this episode was good, but that was a jaw-dropping moment. So I'm giving it to Gilly. Yeah. All right, then. Lastly, we got to rate the episode. So how would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 silver stags? The point system is allowed. I am that type of Lord Commander. I am generous with uh, the point system. Also, if you deem the episode more than 10, you may grant it a gold dragon coin. So I'm going to go first. I give this episode an 8 out of 10. It was nowhere near perfect, but it was more than solid. I think a solid episode for me is like a 7 out of 10. So this was like, this was good. This was good, almost to great. Uh, we It was really fast paced. It was refreshing. A lot of meaningful moments, a lot of reunions, interactions. It was just a good episode of Game of Thrones that's getting me hyped for the next one. So that will always give, uh, that will always make me give it an eight out of ten. So Aura, what do you rate this episode? Um, I think I'm gonna go for a nine, um, because I really liked the episode. Like, it just I was <laughs> literally on the edge of, edge of my seat the whole time. It was just it was just revelation after revelation and reunion and then boom Jon Snow is a legitimate Targaryen and it was you know I was just screaming throughout this episode and my only complaint was um, first uh, Jamie's Jamie and Bronn's escape escaping like that didn't make much sense to me and that kind of bothered me a little bit I got over it but I I'm not forgetting it. <laughs> at the time of rating and you know just because they didn't like it was a lot of information and it was a lot of setting up so I didn't think you know this was the best episode of Game of Thrones so far like it got me hyped it, it kind of gave me a feeling of a episode one just with a lot more stuff so I think nine is very fair I can agree with that. I totally understand. It's still a good episode and it got you hyped for the next one. And I think that is probably the lowest setting for an episode that you could ever give. So, um, 9 out of 10. Good. All right, then. Now our watch has ended. Join us next time for a brand new installment of The Throne Room. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for The Throne Room and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Co-host, Aura, my only lovely co-host that's here. What do we say to the god of death? (laughs) Not today. Not today. Please wish the listeners a good night. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Throne Room every Thursday via iTunes and the Pabuchula Radio Archives. For the night is dark and full of terrors. Good night.